You're listening to the Shoeless Podcast, where we talk candidly about married life and parenting within the domestic church in the light of Carmelite spirituality and the Catholic faith. We're your hosts, Donald and Megan Wallenfang, and we invite you into today's conversation of living Catholic with abandon. everyone to the very first episode of the shoeless podcast we're so glad you're here to join us and what a joy it is for us to begin a vulnerable journey of sharing with you about our personal experiences of being called to marriage and family life today we will be thinking about and challenging ourselves with the conversation of why we are catholic and maybe even why we remain catholic It's such a great question, Megan, and I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about why you are Catholic, why you want to remain Catholic. So let's put it to you first. Why are you Catholic? Mm -hmm. Maybe you can talk a bit about your upbringing and why you're Catholic to this day, Mm -hmm. and also why you remain Catholic. There's all these different options of practicing some type of religious faith, Mm -hmm. but why Catholicism. Right. And because we all worship something and we want our worship to be directed to what or who the worship should be for. What is the greatest thing? And so we seek all these types of worship. Do we, you know, worship our home, our car, our job, our family even? Do we worship our family, the people that we love? Do we worship our possessions? And are there other gods that we worship? So I think it's important to really think about how we identify ourselves by who and what we worship. And I love this question of why are we Catholic? Why am I Catholic? To think and recall about my past and where I've been. And I have not always been Catholic. For the first 20 years of my life, I was everything but Catholic. There was no way I would ever become Catholic. But there was one person in my life who was Catholic, and we called her Grandma Pete. She was my great-grandmother. Her real name was Agnes, and she was Catholic. When we would visit her, she always was in her rocking chair in the room with the wood-burning stove. She was always holding a rosary, and I remember her prayer book on her side table next to this rocking chair. And there was something of peace in her home. She always had a gentle smile and a listening ear. And her home, a simple country home, was always warm and bright. So in my mind, growing up, because of my upbringing, because of churches that I attended or ways I had begun to understand worship, Catholic was bad. Everything that was Catholic was bad, except for my grandma Pete, and also for her daughter, which was my grandma, my grandma Pat. And so it may be because of them that I am Catholic, and maybe it was their lives that left the door open to the possibility of being Catholic, and that maybe Catholic wasn't horrible. So what messages were you hearing in your life as you were being raised that would seem to steer you away from Catholicism? Yeah, most importantly, I don't want to put blame on my parents. I was very lucky to be raised with loving parents who showed me the best of creation. My dad was raised Catholic himself, but no longer practiced Catholicism as he got older. My mom was raised Christian, and after they were married, 
they would try different Christian churches. So it was definitely nothing in my parents' raising of me that made me be skeptical of Catholicism. But it was these churches that I would go to. I can't even specifically say what was said, but a whole vibe of just anti-Catholicism. And it was those typical questions that Protestants ask that were inside of me. It's funny, I don't even know, I can't identify where they came from, but the questions of Mary and saints and even the approach to communion and the Eucharist. So it was things like that that were just sort of part of the vibe of the churches where I went. And I don't remember specific things that were taught, but just that this is what you inherited. You were inheriting this theology by just attending those churches. So you're Catholic today. What happened throughout your life that now you're Mm -hmm. happy to say you're Catholic today and you want to remain Catholic? Oh, I, I like to think that I went kicking and screaming Catholic. When you and I were discerning marriage, we knew that we needed to be attending the same church and to raise our family, which we hoped to have, in a unified way. So we began to discover different theologies, and I was reading some Catholic books and all the things that I thought about the Catholic Church were being convicted of the truth in them. And I think for me, because we were getting married, one of the things that never crossed my mind growing up was the possibility of using birth control. And knowing that the Catholic Church actually had a stance on that and wasn't afraid to say what it was that was true was really impressive to me. This may have been one of the first things where I felt like there might be some truth here. This might be real. And then I think as I began to understand that the Catholic Church was global, it wasn't just in my town where I grew up. It wasn't just in the state of Michigan where I had been mostly living. It wasn't even just in the United States, but it was all over the world. It was this diverse church with all these different people from six different continents, speaking hundreds of different languages, having all kinds of cultural backgrounds, and yet there was something that was unifying them, was really impressive to me. So I think I was also drawn to this diverse unity that the Catholic Church has. Most definitely. I remember those days when we were first getting to know each other at Albion College and growing a beautiful friendship as we started to pursue marriage together and enter into what we call the committed relationship at that point. We were in the side chapel of the Big Goodrich Chapel on campus and I remember talking about we just need to seek the truth together. Wherever it is to be found, we're going to go there together. And through ongoing dialogue, we just both are open to that truth and its fullness. And it led us to the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So that's a good lead in for you to begin answering the question. Why are you Catholic? Why do you remain Catholic? I would say for me, Catholicism is thick with reality thick with reality, saturated with the real. What is there not in Catholicism when it comes to Christianity? What is not in the Catholic Church? Everything is there. Everything. So when you say that, what do you mean? What, are, what is everything? What are these things that you're talking about? I'm talking about all the sacraments, the seven sacraments, the liturgy, all the various liturgical rites within the church, like you were talking about, this global phenomenon. As St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12, this church is one body with many members. When we think about not only the Roman rite, but the Byzantine rite, the Chaldean rite, the Syro-Malabar rite, mm -hmm. all these various rites within the church, Maronite, and the list goes on. All of this is Catholicism, and it's the roots mm -hmm. of Christianity, the roots that go all the way into Judaism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's everything. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's everything. And, you know, if you want material being, it's mm -hmm. Catholicism. If you want spiritual being, it's Catholicism. If you want the fullness of personhood, it's Catholicism. Mm -hmm. You want the, the fullness of femininity and masculinity, mm -hmm. it's in Catholicism. The teachings of the church, like, like you were talking about the teachings concerning marriage and procreation in marriage, what other Christian denomination has this teaching? Mm -hmm. No other one. Mm -hmm. No other one. So it's like, it's all of the, the moral teachings, the doctrines, everything holds together with such coherence and unity, rationality, meaningfulness, that we just don't find this anywhere else directly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's just been the the light of my life the mm -hmm. guide of my life and now well, our lives mm -hmm. that i'm never disappointed with catholicism i'm, I'm definitely challenged mm -hmm. all along the way mm -hmm. but i know that's a good thing mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that i don't become complacent and it's not a religion i make up it's not a church i found it's, it's a tradition, a traditio, what's been handed on from Christ to the apostles and their successors all the way to the present. Mm -hmm. So this I delight in. Mm -hmm. It's not something that my way right away is, no, I go to liturgy and something is giving itself to me that I am not the author of. Mm -hmm. That's what convinces me about Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, it speaks to all these different areas of life and of history and of what we observe in the natural world. Catholicism, yeah, it seeks the truth in all things and it's willing to dialogue with any conversation partner. When it comes to academics, for example, the university comes out of the Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. All of these dialogues between different fields of study, going back to the liberal arts tradition, the quadrivium of arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy, the trivium of grammar, logic, rhetoric, all the natural sciences as they grow and develop, biology, chemistry, physics, in conversation with philosophy and theology, all of these things together in a gradual learning, the pinnacle of which is theology. Mm -hmm. This integration of all fields of study, seeking the truth, seeking to know being better, to know reality mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. And not only that, Catholicism to this day is very serious about dialogue with people of even non-Christian religions, mm -hmm. right? Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Shintoism, again Judaism, which is the very roots of Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm. But Catholicism understands this dialogue is very important in respecting the dignity of every person, yes. no matter what, mm -hmm. upholding the dignity of every person, no mm -hmm. matter what, from womb to tomb. Mm -hmm. And no matter what culture, language, ethnicity, rich, poor, 
young, old, the dignity is there, mm -hmm. automatic. And the teaching of the church insists on this point. Mm -hmm. it, it leads the whole social doctrine with the dignity of the human person. Mm -hmm. And this sense of what I've called anthropology first, mm -hmm. in a sense, that we're all human. We have to recognize this. Not only validate this, but reverence this in each other. And Catholicism gives us this true vision about what it is to be made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And something else is kind of humorous about Catholicism, as, as it's been said, when we're talking about here's the Catholic Church, means here comes everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> here comes everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's means we're talking about the true church mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not meant to be a religious elitism. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be a kind of doctrinal Gnosticism. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be any kind of ideology. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a place where there's going to be a living tension that is generated by the saturating demands mm -hmm. of the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that there's, in the Catholic Church, there's space for everyone, and everyone's space is respected. There's no crowding in on people to conform in a way that the Catholic Church acknowledges that each person is to be their own person. Montessori talks about the cosmic task. And I think the Catholic Church does a really good job of acknowledging that this cosmic task that every person has is unrepeatable and is important and necessary and that there's space for everyone to live the way that God has created them to live. Most definitely. I think the teachings of the church, the practice of the worship of the church, you started off with the theme of worship and to worship is like granting something highest worth mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. And the church, the worship, the way the church worship is, does empower every worshiper to their maximum potential as a child of God mm -hmm. and awakens them to their cosmic task mm -hmm. within this unified mystical body of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are the members. Christ himself is the head. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that the Catholic Church challenges you. So what are some of the things that challenge you? Every day, as it's been said, the gospel of Jesus comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Mm -hmm. Afflicts the comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I must confess that I'm tempted toward comfort in mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I like to be comfortable. Right now, if the truth be told, I'm in my, my daily attire as much as possible. Mm -hmm. My comfortable sweats, sweatpants, <laughs> hoodie, you know, and um, Birkenstocks, you know, mm -hmm. that is wanting to be comfortable. But Jesus says, I've created you for more than comfort, mm -hmm. for more than being comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yes, I want you to pasture in these wide open spaces and this lush green growth mm -hmm. and he is the good shepherd but he also leads us on mission mm -hmm. into the valley mm -hmm. into the jungle mm -hmm. to share this good news yeah i love that and i think that's part of why when i was discerning becoming catholic i felt that disruption of comfort and i felt that push and call towards mission and it felt really good. It felt good to have to wrestle with things, to find answers, and to not just sit in this place where I was comfortable, but it pushed me into new places to discover new things. And it opened up 
a huge horizon of truth and meaning and purpose for my own life. Mm -hmm. So what else is one thing you especially love about being Catholic when you think of practicing this faith day and night? What do you love about it? Mm -hmm. I think as a Carmelite, my favorite thing is being able to pray Liturgy of the Hours and know that I'm praying with people all over the world these same prayers. And that as a Carmelite, I am praying for the world. And I am praying not only for, but also with. I I love this idea of that we're praying with people. Um, Even if people don't know that they're praying, the groaning that everyone has for a relationship with Christ. So I'm praying with those who don't even know what their soul is yearning for. And I think that is one of my favorite things is to know that there is this communion of angels and saints and people on earth who have not yet crossed the threshold into eternity. We're all praying together for the salvation of this whole world. And I love the solidarity that we all have in that. That's really beautiful, Megan. I think this is a great beginning to the Shoeless Podcast. And speaking of prayer, would you like to close us out in prayer in this very first episode? Sure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, we thank you so much for this time to be together and to reflect on where we have been and where we are now and why we are Catholic, and why we choose to worship you and you alone, the one true God. We are so thankful that we are able to worship you, that you've created within us a soul that desires communion with you and worship. We thank you for creating us so perfectly, all of us, and for giving us purpose and meaning. We ask you to be with Donnie and I and our family, We ask you to be with all those who are listening and even those who are not listening. We pray for the world. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Shoeless Podcast. We hope you continue the conversation in your own home and with the people you love. We hope it challenges and inspires you to walk shoeless in the world and to live Catholic with abandon. 